Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. You know what's wrong with you? Why don't you just sit there on that bar stool for a minute and I'll tell you. Or to my ex, have I told you lately what you've done wrong? Okay. Reality check time. It is time to stop blaming others and to start looking at ourselves. It is time in our fourth step to take inventory of what we have done and what we have continue and to continue to perceive as a wrongs done to us and find out what our part of it is. We don't inventory all the great deeds, all the good things that we've done. We inventory our flaws because our flaws are what take us back out. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about starting our inventory. Once in a while, he'll try to kid himself. He may say, well, the reason these purses aren't selling is because these ladies just don't understand what they need. And he may tend to keep them in there longer than he should. He doesn't like to admit he made a mistake. If he does, it's going to cost him money every day. He's going to have to be honest with himself. Now, is there anybody in this room that would have any problem with that statement that he just made? That if we're going to take a business inventory, we're going to find the facts, we're going to face the facts, we're going to try to discover the truth about the stock in trade, and we're looking for damaged and unsaleable goods, and we want to get them out of our store just as soon as we can. Because nothing new can come in to take their place till they're gone. Is there anybody in here would have any trouble with that statement? Now watch him. Because he wrote step four, and he used a series of words for us to use in our personal lives that mean exactly the same thing. Look at step four. We made a searching, and we're putting searching straight across from fact-finding to search out the facts to find the facts. We made a searching and fearless, and we're putting fearless straight across from fact-facing to face those facts, to fearlessly look at those facts. We made a searching and fearless moral, and there's where we got in trouble. We said, oh, shit. <laughs> there it is. There's that list of dirty, filthy, nasty items. And we don't want to look at them ourselves, and we sure don't want to show them to anybody else. Now, I'm not sure what all Bill Wilson knew, but I know one thing, this guy understood the English language. And I think if he had wanted us to make a list of dirty, filthy, nasty items, I think he would have said we made a searching and fearless amoral or immoral inventory. He didn't say that, he said moral. And this bugged me and bugged me and bugged me until I went to the dictionary. And do you know what moral means? Moral means truth. Moral means facts as they are. Moral means the right and wrong of any given situation. Moral means the truth about any matter. So truth and moral mean exactly the same thing. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of what? Of ourselves. We're the only stock in trade we have in this business of staying sober. How many times have we heard this statement, stinking thinking leads to drinking? Now, we're going to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, and the ourselves is the part of us that determines whether we drink or not. 
Now, what determines whether I drink or not? It is my body or is it my mind? The real problem, the alcoholic, centers in his mind rather than his body. If my thinking is okay, if it's peaceful and happy and free, chances are I'm going to be sober tomorrow. If my thinking is lousy, if it's filled with restlessness, irritability, discontent, shame, fear, guilt, and remorse, chances are I'm going to be drunk tomorrow. I'm the only stock in trade that I've got in this business staying sober. Nobody can make me sober and nobody can make me drink. Oh, I'll agree they can make me thirsty as hell, but they can't make me drink. That's determined by me and that's determined by what's up here in my head. So I'm going to inventory my mind and what I'm going to inventory in my mind are the damaged and unsaleable goods that block me off from the sunlight of the Spirit and I'm going to try to get rid of them promptly and without regret also. It's going to be such a simple thing that it blows my mind when I look at it. Look at his statement. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly, morally, truthfully. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Now, I'm sorry, but we're not going to look at our assets. <clears throat> Assets don't get you drunk. Assets in a business don't cause you to go broke. Damaged and unsaleable goods, flaws in our makeup, that's what causes us to fail. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways and what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. We looked at the common manifestations while ago when we looked at the three basic instincts of life. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From its stem, all forms of spiritual disease, where we've been not only mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When a spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Now, as a human being, you can only be sick in three different ways. One way you can be sick is to be physically ill. For physical illness, we normally go to an MD. Our physical illness will display certain symptoms. The MD, with their expertise, reads the symptoms, diagnoses, prescribes, and hopefully we get well. You can also be mentally ill. For mental illness, you go to a psychiatrist. The mental illness displays certain symptoms, the psychiatrist reads them, diagnoses, prescribes, and hopefully you get well. The only other way you can be sick is to be spiritually ill. A spiritually ill person is one who's blocked from God and can't receive God's power in their life. Spiritual illness displays certain symptoms. Resentment, fear, guilt, and remorse very effectively blocks God out of our minds. Now, if they can be removed, then God can enter. Until such time as they are removed, God can't enter. It's just that simple. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at resentments. Now, I think maybe we need to talk a little bit about what a resentment is. Some of us are confused in that area. Resentment comes from two, two old, old <coughs> words. One of those words is the word spelled R-E or re. Re always means to do again or over again. Replay, redo, recount, repaint always means to do again. The other part of that word comes from an old word called centiri, which means to feel. 
So resentment really means to re-feel. Now, in the scheme of life, as we go through life, everybody has self-will. That's one of the things wrong with this deal. Everybody's got self-will. And everybody from time to time gets sick in self-will. Now, going through life, maybe other people do things to me which threatens my basic instincts of life. Maybe they do something that puts me down in the eyes of other people and threatens my self-esteem. Or maybe they do something to threaten my security. They rip me off and take some of my money. Or maybe they do something to threaten my sex life. Now, when they do that, that is a wrong on their part for doing so. And that hurts me and causes fear and etc. Now, when they do that to me, that's a wrong on their part. That's not a resentment. It only becomes a resentment when I go over in the other room or I go across town and go home, and I sit down, and I replay that whole scene in my mind. And as I replay that whole scene in my mind, I feel all that fear again, and I feel the hurt, and I feel the anxiety. And as I replay it in my mind, the fallacy in this is, this time I'm doing it to myself. Now, they did it to me the first time, but they're not even here now. I'm sitting here doing it to myself now. And as a human being, I'm usually not too honest with myself either. As I replay that thing in my mind, I normally make it a little bit worse than it was to start with. And I make what they did a little bit worse, and I make what I did just a little bit less, and I make the pain just a little bit deeper. Now let me play that over in my mind enough that each time I distort the picture a little bit and after a while, man, they are the devil and I'm just as pure as the driven snow. And I'm able to say to myself, well, I'll just stand there doing nothing. And they come along and did that to me. <laughs> you know, you people up here love football just like we do at home. And when these Steelers start playing ball again this year, you're going to find that the announcer has a resentment machine also. And one of these halfbacks from, from, from this football team, they're going to run out there to catch a ball. The quarterback's going to throw it to him. And they're going to jump up in the air to catch it. And while their feet's clear off the ground, somebody's just going to knock the hell out of them. Remember Jack Lambert? And they're, they're going to turn them upside down. They're going to land on their head. Their neck's going to go one way. Their arm's going to go another way. Their leg's going to go another way. And you're going to be able to tell that it just hurt the hell out of them. Yeah. Now, one or two things is going to happen. If that guy is hurt bad enough, they're going to drag him off the field, they're going to put somebody in his place, or if he's not hurt too bad, they're going to pump a little air in him, he's going to get up, and he's going to start playing again. In either case, the game is going to go on, just like the game of life goes on. Now, the announcer, though, he's not satisfied with that. After a while, he turns on his resentment machine, and he said, let's look at that again. <laughs> And this time when he turns it on, it's in slow motion, living color. God, it looks twice as bad as it did a while ago. You see the expression of pain on his face. You see how far his arm really did bend back and how far his legs were split apart. And it looks twice as bad as it did a while ago. And after a while, the announcer says, let's look at that again. Now, the game's going on. The announcer's sitting over here still bouncing this guy up and down. Off the see, he's got a resentment replay machine also. Now, every alcoholic, every human being, and especially every alcoholic that I know, has a resentment replay machine in their head.
and we get up in the morning and we turn it on and we tune it up in living color and we shine it on the world all day long and we record everything that they do to us that day that's bad. Now, we don't record anything good. We record only the bad. And then we go home at night and we sit down and replay it in our head and make ourselves sick and blame them for doing it. You can't make me. I'm not gonna. And I will do as I please. Boy, we surely are self-willed and self-centered. Now, we don't, I didn't drink because of everybody around me. And I used the fact that the day ended in Y as an excuse to drink that day. But when it really truly came down to it, it was about me. It was about me and my flaws and the damage that I had done and the resentments that I had held. And they fueled, absolutely fueled that fire of desire to drink. And there were many times that I was happy and drank because I thought that was a good thing. And I was having an okay day, so I drank. But boy, when you sat down with a good bottle of something or a associate on a bar stool next to you and you had an axe to grind, man, the more drinks I bought, the more money I spent, the more friends I had that agreed that I was in the right, no matter what the situation. Well, really, let's sit down and take a look at it. Was I really at fault or was I the cause? Or was my part of it something that I never should have been there in the first place? So, taking your inventory helps you clear out and see that self-will, when it runs riot, takes us around the, the path, down the dark alleys, and all the places we don't want to be if we want to receive God's light if we want to be the benefit of our higher power looking out for us and when we want to live a God-given life. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.